If you brought your Bibles, I would ask you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, beginning with the 16th verse. This is just as Jesus is beginning his public ministry. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. The book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this day. I think you can sum up this passage, which is uh, uh, Jesus' basic uh, mission statement as to why he came by saying that he came to free us from our past so we can live in the present and have a glorious, blessed future ahead of us. He gave us to, well, he gave us the opportunity to step into that life that he proclaims that he has for us by paying the price for our past sins. That life is ours if we'll receive it. Now, the first step in receiving it is realizing that we have incurred and deserve God's wrath because of our sin and to repent of it and to receive the forgiveness that God has offered through his son's death on the cross. The next step is to begin living the life that God has for us, a life that includes holiness in our actions and wholeness in our relationships with those around us. Turning away from sin in all areas of our life and trying to understand what the will of the Lord is and living out of that. It's so clear that one of the things that is definitely at the top of the list of what God wants from us is to be forgiving. We talked about the importance of forgiving last week. And uh, we saw that uh, the reason why we forgive, two basic reasons. First of all, because it's good for you. It's, it gives you better health. It gives you more peace in your life. It frees you just as Jesus did. It, this is how he frees us from our past so we can live in the present and look forward to the future. Harboring bitterness keeps us prisoners, keeps us bound to uh, the things of, of our past, past events, and to people that we really don't want to have anything to do with. He sets us free if we will obey. And uh, let's face it, let's face it that whether it's a spouse who was unfaithful, a parent who let you down as a child, a friend who shared something 
uh, told in confidence or some other harm, we all at one time or another uh, have to deal with whether or not we are going to forgive. As we saw last week, we're told we have no choice in the matter of whether we will forgive or not if we're Christians. If Jesus is Lord, that means he's the boss and he has said, forgive. And if you're not, you're living in rebellion against God and you can't expect his blessings. In the passage that uh, we read earlier, uh, Jesus uh, or, or, or Paul, in the, he's talking to the Ephesians and he tells them that uh, they are to uh, be kind hearted to one another and forgiving each other. And uh, before that, as we saw last week, he tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. He talks about actions before that. Then he tells us, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then he tells us, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, merciful, forgiving to each other. Unforgiveness grieves the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit doesn't stay where he's not welcome. And I just want to mention to you that if you haven't been sensing God's presence, if you have grieved his Holy Spirit by either stepping out of holiness of life or wholeness in your relationships and you want his presence back in your life again, invite him. The Holy Spirit goes where he's welcome and he's probably just waiting for you to invite him to step across the threshold of the doorpost of your heart to come back and to dwell in you and be with you. So uh, anyway, this is one of those things that forgiveness is one of those things that we have no, no say over whether we do it or not if we're a Christian. But I also know this, that sometimes we balk because we don't think we can do it. And if you've been hesitant because you don't think that you can forgive, please understand that God would never command you to do something you could not do. It's not a matter, you see, of uh, feeling or emotion, whether you feel like it or not. That's not what it's based on, and that should not be what prompts you. Not an emotion, although feelings and emotions are definitely involved. Instead, it's two things. Forgiveness is a decision. You make up your mind. You're going to. And it's also a process. It's not something that you just make up your mind. Okay, I forgive them, and it's over. You begin by making a decision. And then you begin the process. You decide to forgive and then you start taking the steps. The wonderful thing is that even as you make the decision to to start taking the steps, the Holy Spirit will be with you and he'll help you. He is the helper and he will also comfort you. He is the comforter. And he will strengthen you along the way. One of the major things that causes people to not forgive is that they have wrong concepts as to what forgiveness is and what it's not. 
Many of us, uh, you can remember as a kid, maybe with your brothers and sisters, where maybe y'all got into a tiff of some sort, and uh, your mom made one of them made one of you apologize to the other, say I'm sorry, and then the other one had to say you're forgiven, and then. To top it all off, they'd make you a hug or kiss and make up, you know. Well, that is good training for children to learn how to get along with each other. But if that is your total concept of forgiveness, you are totally missing it. And no wonder you don't want to forgive. And so I want to look quickly now at some of the misconceptions that people have of forgiveness. First of all, some people believe that to forgive, we have to forget the offending behavior. And the thing is, forgetting is not a part of forgiving. I know you've heard it, forgive and forget. That's just an old saw in the world. It takes a while to heal after you've been hurt. Let's face it. Forgetting is not a part of forgiving. With forgiveness, We let go of the past in order to reclaim the present, but we don't forget that past. The memories will remain, but their power to hurt is what goes away. The pain is what dissipates and goes away. Another uh, misconception, to forgive is to excuse the offending behavior. Forgiveness does not in any way excuse or condone inappropriate actions. I don't know how many times I've heard, well, if I just understood why, you know, then I could, you know, the thing is, understanding why doesn't make that person any less mean, you know, Uh, and it doesn't make the pain any less, really. The thing is, whenever someone has done something wrong, they've done something wrong, and they are responsible for what they have done. And so, uh, the inappropriate actions that re, that uh, created our uh, regret, uh, the thing is, they are not excused for those things. And uh, we forgive for one main reason, and that is to be free of the negative emotions associated with what happened, which is quite different from condoning what happened. Another misconception, when we forgive, we no longer hold the person accountable for the offending behavior. And we pretty well just talked about that. The next one, when we forgive, we are implying that the offender is innocent or less guilty or somehow off the hook. No, forgiveness does not imply any lack of guilt. In fact, the opposite is true. If there's uh, no need to, you see, there's no need to forgive the innocent. If an offense has not occurred, there's no forgiveness to be given. Another, to forgive, we have to reconcile with the offender. To reconcile with someone is to reestablish a relationship with that person. Reconciliation can be a part of forgiveness, and it is a part of a healing process in a relationship, but only if we choose to make it so. It's not a requirement which is uh, why we can forgive people who are dead, people who are in prison, and those that we don't want to have in our lives anymore because maybe they're dangerous to be around. Maybe they're unhealthy to be around. Another, 
we should only forgive if the person deserves it. Really? Yeah. Okay. We forgive others because God has made it clear that we deserve it. He has a better life for you. We deserve to be free of the regret and the pain it has caused us. And God wants you to have that so much that he sent his son to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven and step into a new life. Whether the person who hurt us deserves our forgiveness has nothing to do with our decision to grant it. Another, we only forgive in response to a request for forgiveness. No request from the offending party is necessary. It's we who ask ourselves to forgive the other person, and it is we who benefit from the forgiving, not the other person. Uh, this is another, and I can understand this somewhat because of misconceptions. If we forgive, we are being disloyal to those the offending party hurt. And you can understand that. But this misconception is a, is a, uh, a culmination of all the preceding myths, uh, as you, as you, if, if you would, uh, that, have, that have gone on. And those hold that forgiveness means having to forget or excuse offending behavior, reconcile with the offender, uh, release the offender from accountability, or to judge the offender deserving of forgiveness. The act of forgiving releases us from hatred and grants us freedom from the perpetrator emotionally. And that benefits us. Uh, and then it, it's not a, 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 an act of disloyalty uh, to the person who has been hurt. Instead, it gives us a clear head because sometimes we need to go ahead and to pursue justice uh, and to, or to pursue damages or to pursue uh, criminal prosecution uh, for the uh, benefit of society. Uh, it's not uh, being disloyal to the other person. It's just letting go of the hatred. And once you let go of emotional baggage, you can talk so much more coherently and you can think so much more clearly about what your next steps should be. Uh, here's another one. We forgive only on the basis of certain conditions, such as getting an apology. Now, let's face it, an apology many times would be nice and it would go a long way, you know, toward helping us feel better about the situation. But if we make our forgiveness conditional on what the other party does, such as apologizing or promising new behavior, we've made the perpetrator the decision maker in our process of forgiving, ironically. This kind of thinking turns our lives over to the very person who has hurt us. And this is where a lot of people live, let's face it. Last one, forgiveness isn't valid unless it's accepted by the other party. That's wrong. It's reinforced enforced by the common phrase to offer forgiveness as if it has to be accepted to be valid. Forgiveness is not offered. It's granted. 
So forgiveness in summation is not excusing, pretending something didn't occur, or simply saying that it's okay. Forgiveness doesn't mean you're pardoning or, or excusing that other person's actions. It doesn't mean you need to tell that person that they're forgiven. It doesn't mean that uh, uh, you uh, shouldn't have any more feelings about the situation. Forgiveness doesn't mean there's any further work to be done. We'll see. Forgiveness doesn't mean there is nothing further to work out in the relationship or that everything is okay now. Forgiveness does not mean you should forget that an incident ever happened. Well, well, one other thing, forgiveness doesn't mean you have to continue to include that other person in your life. And forgiveness isn't something you do for the other person. It's something that the Lord wants you to do for yourself, to free yourself from the past and from those who hurt you so you can live in the present. It's something totally different than what many people think it is. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us to pray, Forgive us our trespasses, it's translated in some versions. In other versions, have you noticed it's translated debts? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors or as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. In Matthew 18, 35, which we read last week, where we have the man that had forgiven his servant like a million dollars in indebtedness. And then he goes around, the, the servant goes and, try and tries to collect a debt of about $20 from somebody else. At the end, the master tells the wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. And there's that word debt again in connection with forgiveness. And see, this is just it. And I really think that uh, many times our uh, concept of, uh, of, of being owed something comes from our sense of justice, which is a part of our uh, actual uh, being created in the image of God. That's one of his attributes is justice. And we don't know how to handle the knowledge of good and evil anymore since we ate of that tree back in the garden so many years ago. And so we can't handle the truth about this sort of stuff. And so Oh, we wind up having a sense of we are owed something when someone hurts us. And this is common. And uh, the thing, let's just face it, uh, that uh, what, something is owed because something has either been given, given up, taken, or in some other way, an indebtedness has been incurred. In in, 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 well, there's commercial indebtedness, there's societal indebtedness, there's criminal indebtedness, there's relational indebtedness. And anytime there's any form of indebtedness, things are not settled until the indebtedness is erased or eradicated in some way, either through payment or through forgiveness. Forgiving winds up being one of the most Christ-like things you could ever do. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, one of the last things he said 
was it is finished. The word in Greek is tetelestai. And that happens to be an accounting term. It means the debt is paid. He hung on that cross and he paid the debt for every one of us. And that's how our debt is forgiven. It's because he paid the price that we owed. If you had a promissory note back then in that day and you paid it off, the banker would have stamped it tetelestai, paid in full. And that's what we celebrate this morning in Holy Communion is the fact that he paid the price. Our debt has been forgiven and we're told to forgive as Christ forgives us. So you see what forgiveness is, is resolving in your heart of hearts. And let's face it, it's like you have been issued an IOU that you want to cash in in some way. Be it an apology, be it a pound of flesh. There's something that you want in payment. And all the, every time you're around this person, you're going to sense this unfinished business, you see. Well, Forgiveness is whenever in your heart of hearts, you take that IOU and in your heart of hearts, you tear it up into little bitty pieces and you throw it in the trash and you say, so-and-so in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to hold you accountable for this anymore. I have forgiven you that debt. I'm no longer going to hold this against you. That is forgiveness. Now, some of you have been hurt deeply and maybe you carried a burden of uh, bitterness around. And some, with some cases, it could take just that and that would be it. It would be done. With others, some problem people, you need to get off by yourselves. And uh, some people say, write down everything this person has done. I don't like to put things in writing because you put something in writing, Somebody else might come across it sometime. And this is just between you and the Lord. So I would encourage you just follow the Holy Spirit's prompting in listing the best you can in your heart. Or if you want to write it down, go ahead. The way that this person has hurt you and then say, so and so, you did all this to me. But in the name of Jesus, I forgive you and I am not going to expect anything from you on account of this anymore. Then after that, what you do is you ask the Lord to forgive you for having harbored bitterness and then resolve the best you can that you're going to love that person in spite of themselves because we're told to love our enemies and uh, to pray for those who spitefully use us. But it becomes easier along the way. So I just want to encourage you, if you haven't forgiven anyone, go through this process. Understand that it's not saying that they didn't do anything wrong. It's not for them. It's for you because God loves you so much. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.